My name is Chuck. I have a new life in Christ. I'm in recovery for pornography, comfort, and this week, not trusting God for my identity as I should. Good to see everybody tonight. And so I kind of wanted to start with a story, or at least something that I have grown up with. So growing up, I was a fan of Charlie Brown and Peanuts. Now, some of you remember that well. Others, maybe not so well. It started out as a comic strip that actually ended in 2000, one day after the creator, Charles Schultz, died. But it continued on in holiday specials. You would see them in the, you'd see it at the fall, you'd see it at Thanksgiving, you'd see it at Christmas. There was even a Peanuts movie that was made. And I was particularly interested in this relationship, the relationship between Charlie Brown and Lucy. Can we just say, those of you that are familiar with this, Lucy's a bit of a bully, right? Pulling the football from him right before he kicks it, right before he does anything, always having really kind of hard and difficult things to say to Charlie Brown. Now, there was one time when Lucy really kind of went off the chain a bit, and she decided, let me tell you exactly what I think about you. Listen to these words. You, Charlie Brown, are a foul ball in the line drive of life. You're in the shadow of your own goalpost. You're a miscue. You are three putts on the 18th green. You're a 7-10 split in the 10th frame. You're a dropped rod and reel in the lake of life. You are a missed free throw, a shanked nine iron, and a called third strike. Whoa, that's kind of tough, isn't it? And yet, if we're honest, life has said those things to us at times. We have had those moments where we have an identity that has been based not in what Christ has done for us, but honestly, an identity that's been based in some of the things others have said. We have a bit of Charlie Brown in us, and in our quiet moments, we've wondered, how could anyone want me? Can God use a person like me? And I would just simply say this, at least I'll say it for me. There have been times in my life where I have felt orphaned, I have felt forgotten, and I have felt unseen. So over the last few weeks, Dave has been leading us through a series that really is the core of our Christian identity. It's out of Ephesians 1, and we're looking at some passages that are there and some words that are there that mean something to us when it comes to our identity. And tonight, we're going to explore the word adoption. I think it's important that you hear these, these last two words from Ephesians 1, 4, and then verses 5 and 6. So important and so good. Listen to these words. In love... He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So what do these verses mean? I think simply God has literally moved us into his family. He has changed our address He's given us a place at the dinner table. He, he foreordained that he would adopt us through Jesus Christ for himself. And as Dave mentioned last week, God chose us, picked us out. 
And so when we accept the gift of the gospel and become followers of Christ, we're given a new spirit. We're forgiven of our sins and we're made right before God. But God didn't stop there. He adopted us. He made us his children with all of the privileges that that entails. We're not the hired help. We're full-on family members and we can ask for his help anytime that we need it. So I thought tonight the way to kind of look at this passage and think about it is literally phrase by phrase out of Ephesians 1 verses 5 and 6 to really look at what that means and look at what each of these phrases mean. The first one is this, adoption is a demonstration of God's love. That really is set forth by the ending two words of verse 4 when Paul writes, in love. It sets that tone for understanding adoption because God's love is the foundation on which our adoption rests. It is a love that surpasses all of human comprehension. It extends to every person. Despite our brokenness and our sinfulness, God reaches out to us, chooses us, and allows us the privilege of becoming his children. But there's a second phrase that this passage builds on, and it's this idea that's a bit confusing for us at times when we hear words like, you are predestined for adoption. It really highlights God's sovereignty and his foreknowledge. Think about this. Before the creation of the world, God had a plan, and his plan was to make us his own. And I think it's beautiful to understand that God's plan is not random. God's plan is incredibly intentional. This is something that he planned before the foundation of the earth. And I'd remind all of us, and it doesn't depend on what you've done or haven't done. God chooses you. He adopts you. He sees you at your worst. And he picks you anyway. But none of that makes sense until we come to the next phrase. And it is that adoption occurs through Jesus Christ. Our adoption is made possible because of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ through his life, his death, his resurrection. God literally reconciles us, puts us back in relationship with the Father, making it possible for us to be in God's family. And it's through our faith in Christ and our identification with him that we are brought into this intimate relationship with God. Ephesians 1's not the only place this shows up. We see it show up in some of Paul's other writings. For instance, Romans 5, beginning in verse 18. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinner, so by one man's obedience, the many are made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, listen to the beauty of these words. Grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace might also reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I love how Anglican clergyman J.B. Phillips translates Romans 5.20. Listen to these words. He says, though sin is shown to be wide and deep, thank God, his grace is wider and deeper 
still. I don't know about you, but I have never been surprised by God's judgment, but I've always been stunned by his grace, particularly in my own life. I know how I've rebelled against him. I know how I've chosen my own way. I know the things I have done that are not pleasing. And he chooses me anyway and still calls me his child. We're adopted through Christ, which leads to the next phrase. Your adoption is to the purpose of his will. It's not based on our merit. I can't do anything to be adopted. I literally am chosen by God and he chooses to adopt me. He puts me literally inside of his family. Our adoption showcases God's desire to bring us into this loving relationship with himself to display his glory through the redemption and the transformation of his children. And then you have this last phrase that kind of caps it all off. The purpose of our adoption is to the praise of his glorious grace. See, the purpose for our adoption is to bring praise and and glory to God. And so as we begin to grasp the magnitude of his grace, what's our response? It's not that we just want to go do good. We respond in worship, adoration, and honestly abject awe that we just can't believe how good God is and how God has moved in our life. So I think it's important to understand the significance of our adoption through this passage, but I think it's equally important to understand some practical implications as we walk through this passage and really kind of see what it means, particularly as we think about Monday night, as we think about walking through our groundwork groups and walking through the steps. How does all this play out there? So let's talk about some key words that I think are implied through this passage. The first one is identity because our adoption changes our identity. We're no longer defined solely by our earthly relationships and circumstances. No, we are now children of God. We are heirs of his promises. We're co-heirs with Christ. And this new identity should shape our self-perception, giving us confidence, security, and purpose. I think you really get to see this in step three. As you trust God, not only for your salvation, you are trusting him for that, but you're you're trusting him for more. You're trusting him with literally the details of your life that you are willing to put all of it in his hands and knowing that he is good and he never seeks to to cause any harm for us at all, which leads to a second word. It's the word intimacy. Our adoption brings us into a deep, personal, and intimate relationship with God. We can approach him with boldness, knowing that we are loved and accepted unconditionally. I want you to think about it this way. The one who loved you enough to save your soul wants to remake your heart. And I want you to think about as you fix your eyes on him, as I fix my eyes, on him. What he is doing and how he is acting, he literally helps us see what we can become in his eyes. That's part 
of this process. And as our intimacy with God grows, so does our ability to love and care for others. We are, we're free to do some things, share our hearts and fractures with one another so we can be fully seen and fully known. We get to see this play out in step 11. As we become intimate with God, we also learn how to be intimate with one another so that we can sit there as we walk through this process, learning together what it really means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and equally love your neighbor as yourself, both bringing glory to who God is, which leads to this last word, which is inheritance. As God's adopted children, we are heirs of God's promises. We have an eternal inheritance that includes the blessing of salvation, eternal life and participation in God's kingdom. This inheritance gives us a hope and an assurance, especially in the midst of what I'd like to call the harsh realities of life. And they show up in every life, difficult, hard moments. And yet we have an inheritance that is eternal. And as kingdom people, we also in step 12 get to share that with others that are looking for something, that are needing something. Step 12 really is the great commission as we share what we have experienced in Christ with one another. That inheritance is both eternal, but it's also practical as we walk it out. As I started tonight, I reminded all of us there are those times we feel orphaned, forgotten, and unseen. Everybody's got a Lucy. And Lucy's mean. And Lucy's hard. And we know what a Lucy feels like, but here's what I'd remind you. You are not the sum of your sins. You are the sum of the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the life of Jesus who sits at God's hand right now making intercession for you. That's who you are as an adopted child of God. The ancient Japanese had an art that was really created in about the 15th century. It's called kintsuki. Some people called this the golden journey because what happens in Kintsuki is it repairs shattered pottery, but it does it not by hiding the cracks, but literally by highlighting them. So the, the artist uses a lacquer of sorts to mend the fractures and then covers the adhesive with a fine gold or powder, and the result is something beautiful something unimagined. As you see, lines of gold that tells the story of this piece that's here, that helps us understand every fracture, every cranny that is there. The, this, this piece that was once hopelessly broken, but it's now been redeemed by the artist that's there. I'd remind all of us, we haven't been repaired with lacquer and gold and silver. The only thing that could repair us was the sacrifice of the perfect lamb of God and the blood of Jesus covers us from all of our sins. That's what it means to be an adopted child of God. Our cracks don't define us, but they tell the story of God's redemption, his grace, his mercy, and his love for each one of us. And tonight we get to hear that story of redemption told again as my friend Tripp comes and shares his story of God's grace in his life. You all welcome Tripp as he comes.